Hello everyone and welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. You should know it by now. Uh, coming up on this week's show, the fucking, one of the weirdest collaborations I've seen in a while, uh, involving Ozzy Osbourne, of course. There is a health update for Swedish power metal band Sabaton, who've had a bit of a shit week, I'll be honest. And there's also new music from The Mighty Leprous, and album reviews come from Knock Loose, Ithaca, and, ah, uh, fuck, Numenorian. That's just a fucking weird name, but, spoilers, it's quite good. As ever, we'll start with the news, and yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, Ozzy Osbourne is guesting on the new Post Malone album. Because this year hasn't nearly been weird enough. Um, it's part of Malone's new album, which is coming out this Friday. It's a very fucking short notice sort of thing. Late notice, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's called Hollywood Bleeding. And yeah, it's the song's not out yet. I don't know what it's going to sound like. It's probably going to be weird and mumbly. But, you know, for some people, that works. Them, My friend Tom at work um, fucking loved the last post Malone album so who knows it might be something really great I doubt it uh, it'd be interesting because Ozzy is one of those weird people that listening to him in interviews when she's talking very difficult to understand in between all like the drugs and the alcohol he's old as fuck and he's brum he's really difficult to understand but as soon as he starts singing he's more What's the word? Enunciative? We'll make one up. Um, when he's singing, you can understand him better when he's singing. So, not unless they just have like a, a spoken word album, which will fit the ethos of mumble rap. But there we go. Ozzy Osbourne, Post Malone on Hollywood Bleeding, coming out this Friday. Fucking, why not? Um, and yeah, it's kind of... Tragic, but not all the way tragic news coming from Sabaton. They were in Tunisia, I believe. I think I saw as well. They were near the Nile as well, but I might be lost. Um, they were recording footage for an upcoming music video, and they got involved in quite a serious car accident. They've reported that everyone is alive. There are a few, like, they're battered a bit and a little bit shaken up, but the good news is... No loss of life, nothing majorly serious. I don't think I've seen anything like major injuries, but, you know, just want to like wish all the band and everyone affected quick recoveries. It's a it's a scary thing to be involved in a car accident on its own, but to be involved in a car accident in a foreign country, um, even with a crew with them that probably does speak the native tongue, it's still going to be a fucking scare experience so yeah hopefully they get back on their feet sooner rather than later um and oh there's new music last week i said about how leprous have finally announced a new album it's called pitfalls and i'm very very excited about it i think either the day or the day after last week's episode went out they released the first the lead single for the album it's called below uh, and just a reminder pitfalls coming out the 25th of next month uh, Below is not quite the arty prog metal that I've come to love Leprous for, and what I feel like Leprous are generally known for. Excuse me, I have 
like they sent out a tweet saying that they've um, they've intentionally tried to not be prog for pitfalls, which you know that in itself is quite a curious statement because they are very very prog. They were the backing band for Ishan. I think they still might be the backing band for Ishan because lead singer Einar of Leprous is the brother-in-law. Well, his brother-in-law is that boy Ishan. So family times. And the fucking Christmas dinners must be amazing in their house. And, yeah, so they've come out and said it's very not prog, or they're going to try and not be prog for this album. So below goes more like the artier, avant-garde side of things. And so the first listen caught me very off guard. Um, I was a little bit worried. Um, And if I'm honest, first listen, I wasn't a big fan of it. Listen to it more and more, giving it more chance, and like accepting that it's not going to be Melina Part Two or the Congregation. Um, I've come to really, really enjoy it. I think the synths make the song, or like save the song a lot. Um, Einar's vocals save the day as ever because he's a great vocalist. Um, he hits a lot of very difficult vocal lines in this. A lot of like the higher pitch, not quite falsetto, but enough to. You know, you're on tippy toes hitting those notes. And I feel kind of sorry for him because the song, they, I can't remember what the album's called, but they did um, The Cloak. I'm pretty sure it's not on The Congregation. I think it was on the one before. I might be mistaken. Um, but they did a song called The Cloak a few years ago. And the chorus to that has him hitting those, like, big high notes. And I thought that was bad enough, but this is a whole new fucking ball game for him. So fair play to him. He's hitting those difficult notes and he seems like he's doing it with ease. The song is sounding better every time I listen to it. And I'm very, very excited for the new album. Let me remind it, it is called Pitfalls. It's by Leprous and it's going to be coming out the 25th of October. Now, on to album reviews. And we're going to start in Canada with, again, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation, Numenorian. I'm going to stick with that. Um, it is the second album from Numenorian. It is called Adore. Um, it's the follow-up to 2016's mildly controversial Home. Um, and a lot of places are advertised as post-black metal. This is the closest I've ever gotten to choosing to describe something as atmospheric black metal over post-black metal, which... Up to recently, I've used fairly interchangeably those two statements. The reason why I'm choosing to call this more atmospheric black metal over post-black, which is just the genre Nazi in me, is most music, in my opinion, that comes under that heading of post-black metal, it feels like they were made with the intention of having those huge ethereal landscapes in mind. Like, they, the core part of the sound is those big, uh, like gonna say synthy but often it's not synth but you know like that big dramatic bit in the background it's always like it's the one of the key components of the music with adore though it kind of feels that if you took out that atmospheric line in the mix you'd be left with a really really strong out and out black metal record the atmospherics kind of feel afterthought makes it sound negative but it just feels like they went in to make a black metal record and then just expand on that sound more by having the atmospherics 
second if that makes the sound any better which it probably doesn't um like the plinky plonky mood parts would still be there but they feel quite natural well they feel like they would fit that core black metal sound quite well i can't think of an example but i've listened to black metal records before and they still have those moments or those little like in between like one minute long songs that i've got um like the slow acoustic or like the ballad not ballady but you know what i mean um so yeah i feel like as a rule this is like quite a heavy metal record um but obviously with the atmospheric sim we've got to take it as it is and it is obviously a whole different thing with those atmospherics in um the transition from portraits of peace into horizons so the track two into track three is fucking fantastic i couldn't stop i was writing the notes for this last night and well like the other night sorry and i just must have gone over it four or five times um portrait of pieces is already led like it's led in by the intro track nocebo it's a great track, and it's a great track in its own right. It's sort of like Gujira meets Watain, and those two names will be popping up quite a lot in this review. And and it gets you suitably amped for the album. It's a really good, like massive sounding black metal song. And the final minute of the song of Portrait of Pieces, it sort of like disintegrates the sound into just this mess of noise and screams. And then everything builds up again. You know, like um, old 80s synths or video games. Where it's like that... It's just the building, 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 continual note. Combined with the like long scream. And then it just cuts and explodes into Horizon. And then that in itself just explodes again. It's fucking fantastic. That opening scream from Brandon in Horizon could just bring down a fucking building. It is just great. It's I cannot think off the top of my head, or even when I was writing this the other night, of a better transitional pair of songs. It's so, so brilliant. Um, from there, you've got a couple of songs in the middle, but then eventually we get to Coma, which I think is the guitarist's choice of the album. It's got a lot of really, really strong hooks and riffs there from Byron and Roger. Um, there's like a higher pitch riff that goes along around like the 253 minute mark brings back more of those Gajira kind of vibes and it just sounds brilliant uh coma is sandwiched between two melancholic almost like death folk kind of songs you've got stay and then you've got alone they actually feel quite comfortable within the context of the album oftentimes songs like that can really disjoint an album like affect its pacing like last week I spoke about um, Petrol Girls and as good as that album was constantly having like interlude tracks or like messed up how you could like just take the album in with this I think it just carries the album along quite well it uh, fits the mood a lot better it's kind of like Ancient Wisdom E if anyone remembers them um, and then the title track Adore brings in a huge gang vocal which like adds that little bit or that last minute bit of confrontation the song itself acts as a great summation for the album as a whole uh, more great guitar work and there's a beautifully mournful section um, the lyrics are why do I feel this why do I feel this way um, I'm the only one in my way 
that's pretty big and that's pretty powerful and it precedes a like an acoustic really sorrowful break which is just despairingly sad it's fucking great um and then yeah the song finishes it by throwing everything they've got into this like big huge sounding song that eventually just winds down eventually flows into the ending song or ending like is it still an interlude if it's at the end the outro track outro track we'll go with um ddhs letters um and that sees off the album this turned out to be a fucking great album i'm really like it's i did the thing again i need to start listening to myself albums like this work best on headphones you know i'd like first two or three listens i gave of this was on my phone just on phone speakers as i was getting through my morning i was like ah it's okay but you know nothing special those first listens on headphones was a fucking it's otherworldly again that transition from portraits of pieces into horizon is just insane i cannot get over it at all um and yet the more listens on the headphones the more listens just in general you saw well i heard just more ideas more different things they were like cramming into the album and yeah it's just a very very good album to me um it's got a definite gajiri influence in there without being overly technical or overly groovy it has that Watain influence as well, without going full necro, church-burning uh, black metal. And at the same time, it's not so overblowed that's going to fall into that really shit banner of hipster metal. Of which, if you use hipster metal unironically, you're a dick. Um, but as a whole, I think that's quite a good starting point. If you've never really gone in on post-black metal before because you are put off by that banner of hipster metal... I think this is a really good shout because to me hipster metal it's it's always going to appeal to metalheads trying to get into different kind of music as opposed to like Katy Perry fans trying to get into metal. So I feel like if you're trying if you're a metalhead or you someone who likes alternative music and you're trying to get into this kind of style of music I think this is a really good starting point because, like I said, outside of the atmospherics, it's a really, really strong black metal album that I think stands alone quite well. And then with the atmospherics in, it just adds more and more really brilliant layers to the overall product. Um, it's well-paced. It's deeply depressing at times, and I stand it 100%, whatever that sentence means. Um, it is called Adore. It's by the Cal Calgary band. Calgary? That's in Canada. Fuck that up. Um, it's called... Uh, fuck me. The band is called Numenorian. The album is called Adore. It is very, very good. Um, and yeah, like I said, very, very good point for that like post-black metal, atmospheric black metal field, I guess. On to album number two then. And we're looking at Knocked Loose. Um, they are from, well, I think a lot of people know about Knocked Loose by now. The album's called A Different Shade of Blue. It is their sophomore album. That means album number two. And they're from Oldham County, Kentucky, in the U.S. of A. And they are a very, very aggressive and very, very popular metalcore, metallic hardcore. I think I heard someone or read something call them as heavy hardcore, which is the worst band or worst genre name I've ever heard of. I have really struggled with Knock Loose. Everyone goes on, goes, well, everyone musically that I talk to goes on about how Knock Loose are like the forefathers of a new era in 
um, hardcore. And I remember trying Laugh Tracks, their debut album, and I just did nothing. I don't know if it's if it was just a bit heavy for me at the time or what, but I just nothing appealed to me in that album at all. Um, and the way everyone goes on about Knock Loose, I thought they were like a legacy band, or they've been doing this for years and years and years and years and years. I was staggered to find out a different shade of blue was only the second album. You know, this it really did surprise me. And like I said, people herald them as like the next best thing in hardcore, which to me, I'm already cynical of because this is a world of Code Orange, Employed to Serve, Converge is still about, Every Time I Die is still about. At the moment, hardcore is doing very, very well. And to have, for any band, regardless if it was Knock Loose or if it was like a lot of people said about Code Orange, but you know the way they do it is slightly different because they do incorporate more industrial but i feel like if without hearing much about employed to serve if everyone said oh yeah they're the best band in hardcore right now i'll be like mm, are they so based on that i think i had i think i started with quite a negative outlook of knock loose because i'm hipster as fuck and i refuse to like the popular thing um but going into it and like taking it for what it is the intensity of the bass drum is just insane. I believe it's Will Putney doing the mixing on the production, which makes sense because Will Putney is a god. Um, it's so invasive. It's almost painful at time when you're on headphones. I fucking love that. I want to be in pain listening to music. I want to feel agony. Um, the triplets of double kick bass into the snare, like... Um, as on an early breakdown on Mystics Like Fractures, it just gets me so fucking hard. It's so fucking good. I must admit, I just got giddy for that little bar. The riffs are insanely chunky. Imagine a band like Crowbar being played at double speed, or if like Pantera was ever a metalcore band, this is the sort of riffs that Dimebag would be writing. Um, Belleville, the opening track, I think this is quite a nice greatest hits for the album. In terms of riffs, it bounces quite well between the slow, like sludgier kind of thing and almost like beat down kind of stuff to the faster, punky shenanigans. Um, I was, it took me a while, but I did eventually get one over by Brian Garris as a vocalist. That guttural scream he has in um, And Still I Wander South really, really got to me. I thought it was brilliant. All the like really shitty deathcore bands that came out in the mid 2000s dreamt of hitting a vocal note like that and he does it seemingly with ease and he just seems to have this unwavering strength to his vocals like never once am i feeling like he's he's gonna do himself an injury or it's just not quite as good as this song he's consistently brilliant with those sort of vocals and it's damn impressive when you see the amount of people who do like quite an aggressive vocal or do like cons consistently screams and they've got to go like well look at while she sleeps um Lawrence have to go out for vocal surgery and there's a many other hardcore um I can't remember what they're called Polar Bear Club May from there had to go for um vocal surgery as well because he just fucked his throat up so I think it's impressive that he can consistently do that without any wavering I guess um the other highlights from the album In the Walls is a really brutal song that has a really cool lo-fi vocal echo 
into a breakdown which slams me. I really, I've said before, I really like it when vocals are that lo-fi, almost staticky kind of effect. Forget Your Name is always going to be great because Keith Buckley is on it. It's a blistering song about the fallout of friendship. The line, it like one of the biggest lines Keith has is fucking great. I tore the cancer out. Your image faded. Brothers and brothers in arms amputated. Oh, that's good shit. And lastly, Denied by Fate is a great little injection of pace. And it's something that I feel like the album lacked. When you are associated with hardcore, even metalcore, you expect a lot more speed and to be a little bit more up-tempo. Um, and yeah, I just feel like the album missed a lot of that. It's closer to like the groove metal kind of things instead of like the hardcore kind of thing. And you know, for people that works, obviously not close, are very, very popular. But for me, I do prefer the like out and out punkier kind of thing. Coming into the album, I like I said before, I wanted to dislike it and listen to it over and over again. I felt like that was that was such a bad um, mindset to have to like go into an album, want to dislike it. So I tried to. I always end up doing the other way around. I found myself almost forced myself to like it. Like to try and catch up and hear what everyone else hears. But overall, I don't know if I because I overthought it a bit. I, I, it's it's a good album, but it's just good to me. It's not life changing. It's not the second coming of every great hardcore band out there. It's not putting them all to shame. It's not going to like overthrow anyone's kingdom. I think it's hugely, hugely impressive for a second album to get this kind of quality and to have a vocalist like that on album number two i think it's fantastic um and it's good to lose yourself and headbutt trees too but it just doesn't there's no lasting presence on me um it's yeah it's just a very it's just a very very what's the word it does what it needs to, I think. I can't think of the proper word, but it's just a very, very culpable metalcore album. Um, I think it's absolutely maddening that um, Knock Loose are the, the gateway band for a lot of people to get into metalcore and hardcore. That's fucking bonkers. And it sets really cool precedents. Like, you know, before people were getting into quote-unquote metal through Bullet For My Valentine, Atreyu, Yashin... Uh, Skies, Aeroplanes, Icy Stars. No, basically, fucking terrible bands. Although I do have a soft spot for Atreyu. For them, as much as I like, I'm still inside about Knock Loose. I'm going to see what they, what I feel about them at the end of the year. But regardless of what I feel about Knock Loose, the fact that a band like this is bringing people into metal and hardcore, I think that's fucking great. It is a different shade of blue. It's by the... Oldham County, Kentucky-based band, Knock Loose. Um, if you are into very groovy, almost slam metalcore, these are your boys. And like I said, they're doing big things, so they must be doing something right. On to the last album of the week then. It is Ithaca with their debut album, The Language of Injury. They are based in London and they straddle the line between metalcore and mathcore something fierce. Um, they're a forward-thinking band, full of ideas, it's hardcore, and it's on Holy Raw. 
it's got to be fucking sick, hasn't it? Um, they're immediately top marks for guitar work from Sam and Will. I think they're using a lot of pinch harmonics. I don't know. I'm not a guitarist. I'm also very, very dumb. But that constant, like, kind of noise makes me think there's a at some kind of death siren going off at all times. And it's terrifying, but that's how I like to live my life. It starts off as a pretty in-your-face barrage of frantic hardcore. And it's not quite a false sense of security. It's more like a false sense of awareness because then... Impulse crush, like impulse crush comes in and it just wants to fuck you. It just wants to rip your head, clean off your shoulders. And, you know, at this point, I think, and this is just going to be a very, very fun, more hardcore album after listening to Knock Loose. Um, but then you get to Secret, um, Secret Space. And there's this beautiful cinematic soundscape in the background to it all. Um, I've described it as a beautiful oblivion because mostly i can um and then from there it goes into slow negative order which goes one step further almost channeling um like a Rolo tomasi vibe to it to have that rage and aggression partnered with that angelic um and otherwise calming excuse me that calming vocal line from jamelia and then once more time the title track the language of injury goes one step further again where the that weird juxtaposition where the clean vocal is potentially the hardest part of the song or the heaviest part of the song, excuse me, and the music behind that big crescendo in title track is fucking amazing. I wanted to point out like one individual um, member of the band, but it's one of those pieces of music or like little clip of music where. If one person is off or one person just hasn't got the right beat, you'd be able to tell. But everyone is on full fucking lock and just... I've got their part down to an absolute T and it sounds fucking unreal. It's so brilliant in that. And just in like that progression from going like brutal, attacking hardcore to this like illustrious, attacking... Um, I don't want to say post-rock because that's just not right, but, you know, emotional hardcore, I guess, would probably be closer. It's fucking real. I love how it's just, it's not quite, like, post-metal in general, it's, you've got, it's that slow progression from being quite calm and jittery to every instrument in the world happening. This is over the course of about four or five songs where it's, like, angry, aggressive hardcore to just flamboyant, excessive hardcore, and it's, ah, ugh, Italian hand kiss, Mwah. Um, to go back through it all, uh, Impulse Crush is just a burn of a song. Um, even down to like like shrieking back, um, breakdown at the end of the song, and I think at the entire album, it's this Impulse Crush is the most hardcore the album ever gets. Um, the penultimate track, I want to say Jilt. I keep wanting to call it Guilt, but that's not how you spell Guilt. Jilt, and I found I sound fucking weird saying that. Um, really does well to blend those kind of I fucking I just said I don't want to use a post hardcore but I wrote it in here um, blending post rock with like a hardcore undertone think Immortals by Oathbreaker that kind of is it shoegaze is it post post rock is it debilitating hardcore who knows that's part of the game 
I think I thought this was fucking excellent. Um, what this accomplishes, it's like half an hour long. You know, it's not that long at all, and yet it does so much in that like fairly short space of time. It's so imaginative and so well thought out that it's rare that you can find one song that just adheres to one genre. You know, it's usually like mathcore with a little bit of post-rock melted in there, or it's a post-rock song with a little bit of destructive metalcore just like as an underbelly. It's never just one thing. It's loads of different ideas coming together to make something beautiful, which is what Holy Raw do. And I think Ithaca are now keep, like keeping that flag going on behalf of them. And it's, it's, it's good things, y'all. Um, I like how slowly, as I said before, that how slowly the development of the post-rock elements are introduced. Um, those subtle startings at the end of Impulse Crush, it then creeps into the secret space and then explodes throughout the rest of the album. Um, and it's almost like, I kind of alluded to it a minute ago, it's almost like they were writing one massive piece of music. Um, and it was going to be like, kind of like a, on the subject, it's kind of like a Tool album. Just one big, like, impulsive piece of music. And then halfway through, someone just thought, what if we made this a hardcore album and just threw one on top and go, there we are then. Um, yeah, I just think it's a super interesting piece of music. It's a great piece of music. Um, fucking Slow Negative Order and Language of Injury together are fantastic. Um, if Ithaca were people's breakthrough band, the world would be a really cool place. And I could totally get on board with it. A lot more than I do knock loose. But beggars can't be choosers. It is the language of injury. Language of industry? The language of injury. It's by Ithaca. They're beautifully British because they come from London. And therefore you should listen to them for that alone. Because you need to support the British musical scene. And that. I can't believe I've done this in half an hour. I'm not even rushing either. That is this week's Desolation Sounds podcast. Thank you very, very much. For listening next week. What have I got? Oh, God, no. Okay. Next week, I've penciled in the Tool album. The Tool album, I listened to it the first time today. It's a lot. It's so much. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I will... I'm going to try my hardest to get a new Hawkeyes album. Because that's coming out on Friday. I've got that on pre-order. I cannot fucking wait for that. Um, and I've got Sleep Talk and Minor Love a like a metalcore band metalcore post hardcore sort of thing and an emo band as well um if i can give it enough listens i'll do tool next week as well if not i might postpone it till the week after just because it's also a thing a lot of people are already saying a lot of things about the tool album and I even contemplating this anyway, getting rid of like the bigger name albums and sticking to the underground because everyone's going to have their opinions of major albums and they're all going to be pretty much the same because they don't want to go against the grain. Um, but we'll see. Might be Tool album, might not be, but I'm going to try my damnedest to have the Hawkeyes album there and maybe Sleep Talk and Mind Love and maybe some other things. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but until such time... Do give us a holler if you'd like to chat. I like talking about music. That's why I'm here every week. I don't have much else. Um, but until this time, I shall see you next week. Or I won't because I can't see you at all. You know what I mean? Bye. <laughs>